Welcome to the Nonprofit Hub Radio Podcast, where we highlight nonprofit innovators, leaders, and influencers every week that are changing the sector for the better. I'm your host, Delaney Molinex, Executive Director of Nonprofit Hub. If you're not for profit and all for purpose, you're in the right place. You see, we know you're already doing good, but we've designed this podcast to help nonprofit professionals find growth, joy, and connection. So tune in weekly for new episodes to elevate your cause, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you. We'd like to thank DonorBox for sponsoring today's episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. DonorBox is the online fundraising engine of choice for over 50,000 organizations in 96 countries. Their intuitive fundraising software was designed with your donors in mind. Go to DonorBox.org to sign up today. That's D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot O-R-G. everyone. It's Delaney Mullinex with Nonprofit Hub. I had the pleasure of speaking with Devika Narayanan, and she is the Chief of Staff at Nostos Homes. She is quite a influential person when it comes to how this nonprofit has scaled, and she is responsible for creating relationships with existing nonprofits who serve similar populations. So they build sustainable homes for forcibly displaced families around the world, but they've taken a completely different approach, again, by partnering with with organizations, international organizations, by focusing on what's really beneficial for the displaced people in terms of keeping them together with their family and providing them with real physical and mental safety. So this isn't just a temporary tent or shelter. This is something that looks like a home, feels like a home, it's stable. And it also is sustainable because they actually pick up and move these homes depending on where they are needed around the world, which is incredible. So we talk a lot about building nonprofit partnerships and how if you choose to seek to partner first instead of doing it on your own, how much that can benefit your nonprofit. Stay tuned. Devika, welcome. Please introduce yourself and share a little bit, a bit more about your background. Sure. Thank you so much, Denny. And hi, everyone. I'm Devika. I am a college student right now studying manufacturing engineering, but along with that, I have been helping build and scale Nostas homes. So Nostas is this charity where we build homes for forcibly displaced families around the world. And I've been involved with Nostas for a little under three years now. And like Delany said, I've been working as the chief of staff and I've also been helping build some of those critical partnerships for Nostas. How did you learn about Nostas homes? So very interestingly, Nostas was started by, um, by a senior in my college. So um, I knew of the co-founders and when, they, when I heard about what they were doing, I knew I wanted to get involved. Um, so yeah, that's essentially how that happened. And Nordstrom, in fact, was the graduation thesis of the senior who was studying architecture in my same college. And that's how Nordstrom really started and that's how um, it has grown now. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so... I'd love to know more about what you've done with the organization, but in order for us to get to know you a little bit better, um, if you have any downtime, it sounds like you're incredibly busy going to school, working for Nostos. Um, but if you do have time, what's your favorite activity to do in between? That's a fun question. I love to bake. 
So I like making like fancy desserts that take about six hours just to make and like 15 minutes to eat. So that's something I really love and I find it quite therapeutic to just sort of zone out and focus on just one thing. So that's something I really enjoy. Oh my gosh. I love that you like to bake. I think it's super fun too, but I feel you on like, it takes so much time to do it and then you can enjoy it for like a very small amount of time and then like clean up everything on top of that. Um, But as with all things, you usually get out of it what you put into it. So like the hard work is worth it. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm also super curious about your job title. What exactly does a chief of staff do? So um, from how I see it, the chief of staff is essentially an aid to the um, to the CEO or the senior executive leadership. So um, what the chief of staff is intended to do is to provide key inputs for the strategic making of the senior leadership. So that would look like either coordinating among different verticals to get those uh, critical pieces in or to even look at uh, partnering with external stakeholders that can help inform this decision-making process. So it's really about in- acting as an integrator be- between the different verticals and the senior leadership. So, you know, it's it's a role that originated in the army, I believe. And um, the essential idea is that the commander-in-chief doesn't necessarily have time to coordinate between the daily tasks of all the different verticals. So that's where the chief of staff role comes in. Okay, so that makes sense. You're more of like a manager and kind of more of the first the first person who would be communicated with about, like you said, daily tasks and responsibilities and things like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, so it sort of goes both ways, right? It goes in terms of uh, like me um, coordinating with all of these verticals and relaying these decisions to the senior leadership, but it also works in terms of executing some of those key decisions and working with these different verticals to make sure that that it all goes to plan. So there's a little bit of those two, uh, both ways. It goes both ways, yeah. Nice. Well, tell me a little bit more about Nostos Homes and how it's been able to grow so much since, and you said it just started three years ago. Is that, did I hear that yes, right? About, about that, yeah. Okay. So um, I think one of the main things, like you pointed out, was that we focus a lot on, lot on building partnerships uh, to help us grow and scale. So yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it started with a graduation thesis. And today we've been able to provide over uh, 500,000 nights of shelter for families in India and Africa. So there definitely was a massive scaling exercise behind this. Um, but yeah, like you said, we did focus on building some of those partnerships. So for example, that would look like uh, when we deploy in a community, we would partner with an organization that has worked with that community for a long time. So this could be a nonprofit organization. It could be a governmental body. So we quickly realized that these bodies, since they work with a community for a long time, really know the nuances of the community um, and can help us deploy in those regions. So um, that's something that we realized early on, and that's something we have tried to prioritize while we grow and scale. The other main thing is, you know, like we are a fairly young charity, so we do try to have conversations with as many people as possible to see what sort of avenues could open up. So in our first year, we really prioritize reaching out on email to people we might not even have known. Um, so we would, you know, introduce Nostos to them and say that we would love to uh, talk more about a solution, but also explore avenues to collaborate. And that um, those conversations really helped us go, get going. 
Yeah. I think that this concept of nonprofit partnerships is something that a lot of people are trying to talk about and you, you more often see nonprofits kind of recreating the wheel and trying to do everything on their own, even when there might be a nonprofit that's already trying to do it or someone who's been doing it for a long time. Um, and it just seems like everyone tries to start their own thing. So how, how did those partnerships go over, especially when you first started to confront an organization that might have been already working with the community? Did you feel that they were very receptive to it? Was it a challenge to kind of start that partnership or was it challenging for you guys to, I think you mentioned like maybe you've started doing it without community partnerships and it just wasn't going well, or it just took a lot longer to do. How did all that work? So essentially how this partnership works is that these organizations have been working with these communities for a long time, but we really believe that the Nostos solution can really help that, right? So essentially what happens nowadays is that when communities, when families are displaced, um, they're often housed in shelter setups that are like a tent, right? So they have a tent or they have a community shelter set up with, made up of canvas. So these are not durable solutions. It doesn't give that sense of per- permanency, doesn't give that sense of privacy for these families. It doesn't truly allow them to grow. So when we first talked to these organizations about our vision and about our design philosophy itself, I think a lot of them were on board because it was a significant improvement to the kind of solutions that they were already working with. So in that sense, they were very receptive and we were very grateful to have that kind of response that we could then use to uh, get the partnership moving. So I think the entire idea was that we're able to give solutions for these families that are a significant improvement from typical uh, shelter setups that we see nowadays. So that really helped build those uh, build those relationships early on. And yeah, I think since we are like a fairly young charity of just three years, but also more importantly, we are all you know all of all of us in the organization are fairly young like i'm still in university like mentioned and the rest of the team is also either in university or just early career professionals so what that meant was that there was definitely an added layer of complexity in getting some of these partnerships um because like you said these these organizations have been working with these communities for far longer than even you know i've i've probably even before i was born right so for more than 25 years probably so what that meant is that we really prioritize also being extremely prepared and also being extremely professional and really selling that vision of what Nostos could do. What exactly is the Nostos solution? You have mentioned that a couple times what what differed from what you guys wanted to do from what you said these community-based organizations were doing with like you know housing people in tents? Yeah so um, essentially what the Nostos model is that is, is that uh, we make modular homes. So the idea is that a home can be deassembled and shipped in the back of a truck and can then very quickly be assembled on the site um, by people even if they have no construction expertise. So uh, what our idea is, is that we want to give like a permanent home made of much more sturdier materials. Like we use mild steel and we use puff panels. Um, so they are significantly more durable than the canvas tent. And the other difference is also that we house an individual family. We don't make a community shelter set up. So the goal is again that this is not just a house. We want them to really feel at home. We want them to be able to rebuild their lives using this as a mechanism of you know, physical and mental safety. So the idea is to 
get 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 that sense of permanency and get that real home very very quickly in a deployment site from in the back of a truck. Hi, this is Kevin Burgess, the editor of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast, and I'd like to tell you about today's sponsor, DonorBox. DonorBox has a simple mission, to do everything possible to support nonprofit organizations in their efforts to make a difference. From hitting your first campaign goal to growing into a sustainable and thriving nonprofit, DonorBox makes it easy for organizations to maximize donations and attract more supporters. From charities to social impact groups to faith-based organizations, DonorBox delivers a simple, seamless donation experience for your supporters. So visit DonorBox.org to sign up with no setup or monthly fees and no contract required. That's DonorBox.org. Now let's get back to today's episode. Okay, Devika. So I love what, what you guys are doing and jumping into these these organizations that have already existed and kind of encouraging them to do something that what you feel and what is, I mean, pretty obviously better for a family that's been displaced, um, giving them some sense of permanency, but I assume that's a lot more difficult, which is probably why it wasn't being done in the first place. You know, like you guys are using a family-based model versus like the whole community. You guys are trying to do a more permanent housing situation versus a 10. I mean, that's a lot more work. How were you guys able to do that amount of work? Um, and like you said, quickly, like the whole point is to get them in this, in this situation quickly. Yes. So there was a large amount of design iteration. So we start with one design and we've grown to another design, include, you know, through multiple rounds of iteration. So that would look like talking to external experts, it would look like talking to these communities to figure out what, they, what defined a home for them. Um, you know, what was good to have and what was, a, you know, like not nece- necessary um, need to have right so we were just like looking at all of these factors and we really had to we really needed to iterate multiple times to arrive at our final design but in terms of like sort of more broadly um, if, if the question is also how is this um, you know how is this financially sustainable the idea is that um, if you it, the idea is that our house lasts about 20 years so even if you like look at the amortized cost of that then it looks roughly the same as what a canvas tent would cost on a day-to-day basis because the canvas tent would, uh, you know, um, would last significantly uh, lesser time. So that's the idea essentially. But yes, it required a lot of iteration and quite a lot of um, sort of disruptive design thinking. But um, yeah, I think we've finally arrived at a solution that seems to work very well for our beneficiaries. Yeah, I love that you have that data that the cost of a home is... It just is a better decision, I think, to make. Okay. So, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned like sustainability. What does that mean to you in your organization? So I think that is an, that is an element of environmentally sustainable as well that we try and, you know, look at in our design thinking. So one thing is that 90% of our unit is made of recyclable materials and another thing is, like I said, the house lasts 20 years. So the idea is that we don't want to make something that just, you know, is just a one-time use or uh, is going to go to waste after the specific use case is over. So it has a long lifespan and we've also made sure that the house is redeployable, which means if a particular family has then, you know, moved or has gotten 
uh, housing from the government or anything like that after a certain period of time, this house can actually be deassembled and then again shipped in the truck to another use case, to another deployment site where there is another family need. So that's the idea of um, sustainability and I think that's what it means to us as an organization. Wow, that's impressive. And I love that. I kind of was, when you were talking about it, I was worried that if these homes end up being like abandoned, like not being used anymore, is it just like an empty space that becomes, you know, like you, no one likes to see abandoned spaces. It's just, it doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not good for the economy. It's not good for like aesthetically, like bad things can become of it. And so I love that you're really able to move that thing. That's incredible. And yeah, I think sustainability means so many different things. Like for us, like we started the conversation on, like you said, environmental sustainability, like are you able to reuse and repurpose and recycle things? And that helps with like sustaining the organization long-term. Do you, and I mean, you guys are fully volunteer led. Do you feel like having a volunteer led organization is sustainable? Do you think that you'll be forever volunteer led? So that's an excellent question, Delany. And for us, we truly believe that this sustain that this volunteer based model has been sustainable for us. And in fact, it has been very advantageous to the way we run. So the idea here is that because every single person in Nostars is volunteer, is a, is a volunteer, the organization operates on pretty much no overheads, right? So every money that is all of the money that is coming into Nostars is directly being translated to shelters and um yeah, nights of shelter for these displaced families. So what that means is that for us right now, we are able to operate sustainably, sustainably in that sense. But of course, there are trade-offs that we need to recognize here. And that is that, um, you know, there is that element of things moving slightly slower here than if thing, everything was, if, than if we had people working on a pay right. basis. Yeah. But even with that trade-off, we've seen that this model works pretty well for us because all of us are able to put in... Um, enough of those hours every week and another thing about Nostars is that all of us are pretty passionate about what we do and that again translates into the amount of work we put in so um, in fact like a lot of us most of us have grown up in India in different parts of India and have seen forcible displacement around us um, due to either rains or droughts or landslides and things like that so it is a cause that is close to a lot of our hearts and so we do see that it works for us even if we are volunteer based because everyone is willing to put in that effort to make Nostars um, work and like I said the plus is that um, we work on pretty much no operational overheads right yeah I hear that it's working for you guys but I would also love for you to be paid one day (laughs) for for your hard work Um, and like you said like there are trade-offs like it's possible that if you did have a full-time staff maybe you guys could be doing even more um so yeah, it's always it's always interesting that balance um, of is it working, but could it even could it be even greater? But yeah, I I absolutely love finding something that you're super passionate about volunteering for, and I love that you guys are. So- yes, yeah, so absolutely. And I think that in the another aspect here is that um, in sort of being really can't afford to be completely um, you know like we can't really afford to be not volunteer based currently with the kind of talent we have um, because I think. Another aspect of this is that we're able to attract uh, very talented individuals who are passionate about the cause um, because, um, yeah, we, we, we're we not really in a position to be able to match what they could get otherwise, right, from like a full-time position. So we're not in that stage right now, but it still seems to work well for us. Yeah, yeah. Talking about trade-offs, 
where do you think that your organization would be if you had not decided to pursue partnerships with other international organizations? So that's a good question. And I think that brings me back to what you were mentioning earlier about how sometimes nonprofit organizations try to do everything, um, you know, under the umbrella themselves. But especially as a small organization, it's very difficult to sort of vertically integrate like that. Yeah. Um, because there are so many different elements that really need to go into making a successful nonprofit organization. Like there are just too many things, right? There is the legal aspect, there is the uh, operational aspect. For us, there is also manufacturing. So we need to actually manufacture the houses itself. So for Nostros, these partnerships are extremely, absolutely critical. So let's just take the example of like, for example, a manufacturing partnership, right? So uh, if we were to build these houses, and to, that would be like, that would be pretty much impossible, right? Because these houses need very precision manufacturing, which means we would have to set up an entire factory ourselves. So we have to gain those sort of technologies ourselves, which we are simply not in a position to do as a small nonprofit. But there is also the element of deployment partnerships, right? Which, are, which is, I think, more of what you were talking about, these international organizations that help us deploy our houses. And that is also absolutely critical because if you take the example of our recent deployment in Africa, we built the houses in India. So we manufactured the houses in India, shipped them to Africa, and then had um, it be assembled on the ground there, right? So yeah. for this entire sort of movement of the houses, at one point, there were about six to seven different partnerships that were necessary to have that in place. Yeah. Um, and it simply wouldn't have been possible without that because, um, you know, we weren't really familiar with the geography to begin with. So we were very clear that we wanted to have these partnerships so that we could rely on each other's expertise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just named like, there are several different hurdles that you guys had to address in order to get this house from one place to another and deployed and and everything handled. Are there specific strategies or mottos or tools and things that you do or use when you're when you're addressing a problem to handle it effectively? So there are a couple of things we do. First of all, I mean, if we take a step back, we really try and avoid problems. So we are uh, we, you know, we, we we try and avoid all, all sorts of this. So we do our due diligences with our due diligence partner. We make sure we run through those risks. We make sure we have a lot of plans as a backup in case something does pop up. So we try and make sure we're as prepared as possible um, because especially in a space like building houses, there are a lot of moving parts that you need to be very careful about. So we make sure that we are aware of all of those risks and we have plans in place to handle those. But absolutely, things do come up, things do happen. Invariably, you know, invariably there are problems, there are challenges. So I think when those things happen, our main idea is that we really try and brainstorm solutions as much as possible. So we have these meetings where we bounce off ideas with each other. And, um, you know, an example of that would be recently, like I said, in our first Africa deployment, we were deploying in Malawi. And we initially thought that we would go with a particular port that we would ship to. But then we soon realized after all the partnerships had been signed that another port would be significantly less expensive for us to ship, ship to. So almost like three times less expensive, right? So that's massive. And that's not something a small nonprofit can overlook or say, let's just let's yeah. just not try and make that change, right? So 
at that point that was a problem um, that was a challenge because we had already signed these partnerships so then there was that element of brainstorming there's that element of coming together to find a solution um and also sometimes relying on you know external experts within our network that could help us um get get these ideas but ultimately how we solved this problem was through um again talking to the partner and telling them what our position was here and seeing what sort of other negotiations we could make to reach a happy place again right so that was the idea there and that was how we had to address that problem was just through brainstorming and really coming up with um things that we could communicate to to our partner that you know things that we could um use to renegotiate and things that we could use to be, reach a comfortable place again for both parties involved so that was just one thing i thought of now when you ask me a question that in need that the problems do come up but you sort of have to keep going and you sort of have to think of solutions and work around for those things yeah absolutely and yeah you're right problems are always going to happen Um and it sounds like a couple of things that you guys are doing is one kind of anticipating problems trying to come up with some plans anticipating things that might what might happen but that's hard to do and I feel like in my experience you kind of have to experience the problem and then you can start to anticipate them so like you just have to like do it like you just have to like overcome the challenge and then moving forward you'll be prepared so just being flexible having a flexible mindset mm-hmm. and and asking for help reaching out to people for ideas. Um I think good ideas come from anyone anywhere anytime. Um so it's super important Absolutely. to incorporate other people into your problem solving talks. Well, we always try to include a segment at the end of our um episodes called good news for nonprofits. Um what is a piece of good news that you might be able to share with everyone today? That's a very nice thing to do to end a podcast at the end of the And um yeah I I think recently that about um, more than 70% of the non-profit workforce I think in the US is made up of women so I thought that was very encouraging and very motivating yes woohoo that was <laughs> that was something that was definitely something I wanted to share with your network um because I think that's just amazing that there are a lot of women out there doing amazing amazing work helping our community Yes, go women. I love that stat too. Yes, always doing amazing things. Um in in you as well. Thank you for everything that you're doing at Nostos Homes and I know that you're going to move on from from your university university and continue to do great work. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Devika. Thank you so much for having me, Delany. Thank you. Yes. All right, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us for this Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast episode. For more resources on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out the number one nonprofit toolbox at nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast.